Welcome to those who support. I'm Zach, and today I'm sitting down with Soslo Blues, Blues representative Tim Belkicki. How are you doing today, Tim? Fantastic. How are you, Zach? Doing great. Uh, thanks for sitting down with me. Absolutely. Uh, so to start off with, let's, um, what's the origins of Soslo Blues? Can you tell me a little bit more about the group? Yeah, absolutely. So the Salsa Blues are named, um, it's a geographical um, moniker. Um, the stadium that we're in, Memorial Stadium, built in uh, 1927, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that throughout the course of this conversation, is located in the South, or, uh, the South Slope neighborhood, um, right off Buchanan Avenue in Asheville. And um, the club itself is called the Asheville City Blues. I've heard rumors, I've never had them substantiated, but I've heard rumors that the club itself even thought about naming themselves the Celso Blues, but wanted something that was more unifying and kind of um, uh, something that people could relate to, even if they didn't necessarily live directly in the um, city center. So they went more with mm-hmm. the um, kind of European Asheville City SC. Um, I, I do appreciate the SC as opposed to the FC, though. If, um, if, it's, pretty, yes. if it's pretty nice in the, in the logo with the A. It does. <laughs> um, but yeah, South Slope, um, we're, we're just up the hill. We're right above um, McCormick Stadium. McCormick Stadium is a um, baseball stadium that the Asheville Taurus operate out of, minor league baseball team. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there's only two other baseball stadiums in this country that are in uh, continual use, um, and those being Wrigley and Fenway. So um, we definitely, in Asheville, um, and it's kind of woven into the tapestry of Asheville history um, about how Asheville was laid low during the Great Depression and um, had a lot of debt but never took on any loans and actually paid off every last single cent of that debt. But because of that, um, when a lot of the other cities rose up out of the debt and um, the wasteland, basically, and engaged in that urban renewal in the 60s and 70s, you know, kind of with that super, like, neutral um, shopping mall sort of, um, I I don't know what you would call it, uh, look of your downtowns. And, you know, they knocked down Mm -hmm. a lot of those old buildings and stuff. Asheville never partook in that because we just couldn't afford it. Um, Other than Miami, Asheville actually has more Art Deco architecture than anywhere else in the country, um, something that's often missed. So um, we're we're lucky that we have that sort of history, especially in South Slope. Um, But as you can tell, if you've ever been to Memorial, it's it's seen some... um, better years and um <laughs> hopefully we'll have some better years ahead of us yeah it's uh it, uh, it gets a little swampy in the rain <laughs> uh, uh so what's something interesting or different that uh south slope blues do that other supportive groups that you, you know of don't do what's something that really stands out to you oh man I, I don't actually know if we do anything that is wholly unique to us. Um, we did have a fairly unique rivalry with the Milltown Operatives and Greenville FC. Um, these past two years, they went on hiatus, and <laughs> ironically enough, we moved leagues and also went on hiatus. But we, when when they welcomed their new neighbors into town last year, they reached out to us and they, you know, kind of said. Um, what do you think? How should we react about this? Um, and and they were just soliciting opinion. They certainly weren't going to do what we you know felt 
because um, we had some very strong language for them and they were a little more um, amicable about things. But we definitely understood, especially in the NPSL at the time, that our fates were kind of interwoven with each other. Um, if Even if our ownerships didn't always necessarily believe that, we as fans definitely believed that. So it was definitely more of a friendly rivalry. Um, we created the Keg of the Covenant, which was a gold painted um, keg trophy that the winner of each of our games were trading. I guess kind of like the Southern Derby, um, Southern Cup that um, you guys in the USL Championship use. But um, just between us and them, um, they held on to it for a while. Uh, we finally took it from them in the playoffs this year. Um, and now I'm not quite sure if we'll ever play them again, but I, I hope we do. But we definitely had that sort of rivalry where we lifted each other up instead of putting each other down. We openly tailgated with each other. Um, we, we were on DMs and texts with each other, phone calls with each other, sharing ideas. Um, we, we definitely saw our fates as intertwined and kind of um, use that keg of the covenant. What the covenant was, was a shared philosophy of do-it-yourself soccer, um, you know, believing in uh, what your city first, city forward, city focused, um, community based, um, not, you know, not eschewing a philosophy of um, wanting to see yourself play at a higher level at the cost of anything that would be a detriment to your city. So I, I, I know there are some other um, clubs that play each other, some other rivalries that play each other that have similar relationships. And, you know, I, I also see tons that are more adversarial and I support that too, because that's what <laughs> makes sports fun. But um, I do think it was a little unique. Yeah, it's good to have a little bit of a mix. Um, so let's talk about uh, you specifically. How did you end up following following Asheville City and uh, joining the South Slope Blues? So I, I love my story personally um, because I think it's exactly what the South Slope Blues are about because from day one, I actually wasn't a part of them. Um, they came together as a set of, um, at least the founders were, fr uh, I, I don't, I think they were friends with the owners through the local American Outlaws group. So they kind of were on the leading edge of the conversations and knew a little bit more about it. Um, being um, just on the outside, I, I was just seeing the social media announcements. I was just seeing the press releases. Um, I didn't know anything about Memorial Stadium at the time. I was more tapped into the local um, professional soccer scene and by that I just mean the local let's get together and watch the English Premier League on Saturday mornings mm -hmm. um, you know uh, let's get together to watch the World Cup or the um, El Clasico something like that I, I had my finger on that pulse and definitely was bouncing around the different pubs and the different restaurants and stuff in terms of that but it just had no idea um, that Asheville City you know, had these plans. And so the first game of the season, or the first game ever, um, I, I definitely wanted to be involved. I didn't quite understand what the supporters group had uh, intended yet. So they announced that they're gonna march from the big top up to the stadium. Um, we did that once. 
um, <laughs> we probably won't do it again. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite the it's, hike. <laughs> it's quite the hike. Um, it was cold. It was rainy. None of us had drank just quite enough to make it um, bearable. Uh, the entire day was cold and rainy and damp. Um, we won. It was a fantastic game. The supporters groups did themselves very proud. Um, and then you could see it evolve. So that entire first season, I didn't really have anything to do with the Salt Soap Blues, but I met everybody involved, whether it be at those games or at the, um, you know, uh, we used to have a place in town called Pete's Pies, and that's where we all, the different fan groups for the Premier League um, teams would go. And, you know, I, I kind of saw people and I was like, oh, weren't you, aren't you? Didn't I see you? Um, and one of the things that I was very passionate about, um, again, kind of mirroring that do-it-yourself mentality, was starting a fan podcast. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the ownership, and they were very supportive of it. Anything you need in terms of access. They they were and continue to be, to this day, um, very differential and adamant that we need to remain independent, which I think is extremely refreshing because I think um, as... Fans can be a little naive sometimes, and when they receive a little bit of insider info or they um, have a little bit more access, it, it goes to their head and they get a little drunk off of it. Um, and I very much appreciate that our ownership um, provides that access, but also if anybody ever gets a little too close, they'll remind them, um, you know, don't, don't forget, you can tell us that we're doing something wrong you know don't Mm -hmm. don't rest don't let us rest on our laurels they're actively seeking constructive criticism which i think is you know in a in a day and age where everybody likes to be patted on the back and told they're doing a good job for somebody to proactively seek that constructive criticism i think is just phenomenal but so on the back of that podcast they put me in touch with the leadership of the south slope blues and they just welcomed me in with open arms. Um, there is no membership role for the South Slope Blues. There's no leadership. There's no president, vice president, treasurer, or anything like that. There's no, it's very much catch as catch can. Uh, whoever can help on that day, please come help. We do obviously have individuals um, such as myself and Greg Cooper and Mike Staley and Josh Fisk and Alex Hamilton, um, individuals who will step up and kind of take a corner, whether it be um, I'm going to be the drum guy or I'm going to be the merch guy. I'm going to be. But the spirit of collaboration, I think, is something that um, is is literally in the bedrock of Asheville. And I think we mirror that very well within the concept and execution and philosophy of the South Slope Blues. So just through the podcast, um, I kind of got more and more involved, got more and more involved um, with kind of the initiatives that we started to do with the South Slope Blues, community outreach, um, you know, uh, again, proactive, proactive, never being reactive, just always proactively reaching out to groups. If we looked around and we realized, hey, you know, it, we're a bunch of dudes. We need more women. Um, you know, finding the women and saying like, "Well, why haven't you joined us?" And you know, not trying to be the smartest guy in the room and really listen to what other people had to say, and then enacting what they suggested. And I have to say, every time we have done that, whether it be uh, making sure that we had more diversity within the South Slope Blues, or if um, you know what. Um, nonprofit should we reach out to for our pride raiser collaboration or hey you know um, my day job i work with um, individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities and i went to the Celso blues one day and i said you know hey we um 
you know, there's a segment of our neighbors out there who have these um, sensory challenges and they choose not to come to sporting events, not specifically Asheville City, but whether it be the tourists or a basketball game, um, because there's all of these sensory challenges that they can't mitigate and because they can't prepare for them, they just choose not to come. And uh, without a, a, you know, I bet, you know, everybody was just like, well, what can we do about that? What, what does that look like? What do we have? Who do we speak to? And they worked side by side with me. Um, we, you know, figured it out. We had Western North Carolina's first sensory friendly sporting event. Um, we only had to have it once because now we have access to, or our neighbors have access to sensory kits, um, which are becoming just more and more ubiquitous in all sorts of social settings, restaurants, museums, nature parks um, that allowed them a fighting chance, then they're not guaranteed, but a fighting mm-hmm. chance to put on, you know, uh, noise canceling headphones, have fidget things in their hands, a weighted lap blanket, a uh, picture schedule so they can communicate with their parents if they're having a hard time describing how they're feeling. It just removes some of that anxiety. And the club was very receptive of it too, and even put up stuff on their website that uh, parents can download before they come to a game um, to help with any sort of like uh, routine changes or anticipation that might be causing stress fantastic stuff yeah. uh for the last little bit that i have you here um really quickly what if i was visiting in town what should i expect going to a nashville city game and standing with the south slope blues oh fantastic question um open arms first and foremost um it's it's probably the thing i love about soccer the most is very rarely do you ever see um tribalism exists but it's almost it exists within um, those 90 minutes and outside of those 90 minutes um, everybody um, you know we we learned a lot from the chattel hooligans and the way that they operate we learned a lot from speaking with the northern guard and the way that they operate um, it, it's hospitality first it's you know and and again that goes back to mirror Asheville itself you know Asheville and it's it's part of why Asheville is going to be hit so hard by the circumstances that are currently affecting our society. But Asheville, the first two-story building in Asheville was a hotel. Um, we've, we've just always been um, the epicenter, which kind of has a negative term right now, but the, um, you know, we, we exist as a city because of where we are in the mountains. Um, um, doctors used to send patients from the north down who had tuberculosis to, you know, enjoy our restorative mountain air um, when um, uh, farm stock um, animals stock owners used to push their um, herds from north to south or east to west from the mountains of Tennessee to the coast they would always stop in Nashville for a week or so and kind of re you know rebuild their supplies let their um, animals uh, you know roam in our pastures for a bit so we've always been a welcoming city and I, I think when you would walk up to Memorial, the, the first thing you would do is if you looked up and you looked a little lost, somebody would reach out to you. Somebody would, you know, let you know, hey, this if this is what you're looking for, the restrooms, the beer, the food, um, you know, what, what kind of food do you like? Oh, definitely try this, definitely try that. Um, if you came up into the stands with the Self Soap Blues, um, you know, you might get a, a bullhorn put in your hands. You might get a pair of <laughs> drumsticks stuck in your hands. Um, you're, you're sure as goodness going to get a beer put in your hand if you're of age. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, we would hope that you would uh, sing and, and chant along with us for about 90 minutes. And um, at the end of 90 minutes, you know, we have a tradition, too, that uh, we, we believe in, um, you know, again, 
Memorial Stadium's going on almost 100 years old. And there's um, if if you follow us on Twitter and uh, check the hashtag Memorial Stadium History, just all one word, Memorial Stadium History, for about the past um, six weeks, we've been running a basically like a history lesson on Memorial Stadium. And I think people who even don't have a tie to Asheville would find it really interesting because it's truly an example and kind of a narrative of what a municipality owned stadium um, has gone through in the past hundred years how many times it was almost sold off to you know developers from florida and um, how many times that they condemned the stands and when they went from wood to concrete and um, the the way that the neighborhoods around it rallied to save it a few times and um, you know we know that we're just stewards of memorial stadium it doesn't belong to us we have uh, the club has no intentions of trying to buy it from the city it's a um, city park you know, anybody can use it. The The gates open at um, sunrise and get closed at sunset most of the time, unless, you know, somebody's rented it out that night. And so we know we're just stewards of it. We get to use it 14 times throughout the course of the summer, and we're thankful for every last one of those. But as soon as that final whistle blows, after we get done, you know, popping smoke or finishing our beers, um, we, we, the Salsa Blues, and the club will help us sometimes with this. Um, we clean up the stadium. Every, you know, it's not the club. It's not the club's volunteers. The Salsa Blues actually clean the stadium. Um, we've even adopted the neighborhood around the stadium in kind of one of those adopt a street, adopt a neighborhood. And every other month, we have neighborhood cleanups. Um, and, you know, obviously, we're doing this even when the um, games aren't actually happening, just because we do believe we are stewards and we're going to leave things better than the way that we found them um we're <laughs> sorely sorely disappointed um Asheville city was actually the first if, if i'm not i know for a fact we were the first soccer club in the country to go ahead and pull out of our season based on the coronavirus situation i venture to say we might have been one of the first sporting clubs across the country to do that whether it be basketball football baseball um, and again, that kind of goes back to Asheville being so hospitality based. And I, I think I saw something that like 75% of our sponsors are hospitality based, whether it be hotels, breweries, restaurants, things of that nature. And I, I think the club just made the right decision because if we're going to be an Asheville forward and Asheville first organization, both with Asheville City um, Soccer Club and also the Salso Blues, I don't know how you could, in uncertain times like this, ask an organ or a business to continue to sponsor you um, and not know what's going to happen, and then literally have to debate between spending that five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand um, dollars against employing somebody who should theoretically be a fan of your club. So um, if you come to Asheville, you won't be seeing any Asheville City Soccer Club games this year. But um, 2021, come up, we'll buy you a beer. And Tim, you're one of my favorite people to talk to about soccer, and I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can our listeners find uh, the supporters group online, the Twitter handle, website, anything like that? Yeah, everything is South Slope, um, South Slope Blues, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, you can also hear my occasionally enlightening rambles on the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. Um, we, we're 
mostly astral centric everything's done at if if we do talk about something a little more meta or a little more federation based league based soccer wars based it's going to always be through the prism of Asheville I you know I'm an Arsenal fan um I don't I don't really have a lot of other allegiances but I do watch you know some Bundes blah 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 I'm not a huge MLS fan but um I, I am a soccer fan but I'm, I'm more of an Asheville fan and I don't necessarily know that I would um, be up to my waist in lower league soccer opinions if it wasn't for Asheville. So um, if you ever do listen to the podcast, you'll certainly be hearing that through the lens of um, living and playing in Asheville. Again, thank you for coming on, Tim. Absolutely. Thank you, Zach.